When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 91. Hey, I'm your host, Dr. Yami. I'm a board-certified pediatrician, certified health and wellness coach, author, and speaker. I'm also a passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant-based nutrition, habit formation, motivation, and mindset so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Are you ready to get started? Let's do this. I think that as a parent, especially a young or new parent, I was very like, oh, but you got to do this. You got to do it this way. And I would get frustrated because they wouldn't eat this. And I've learned over time that you just got to be patient with it. Keep offering it, like I mentioned before. But the emotional side of it, I got to hold back, not show my reaction to them about them not liking the food or going absolutely crazy when they do like the food, kind of keeping it balanced because it was, it was very frustrating going through all that. And when you exhibit that energy, they feel it. And then it gives them a little bit of anxiety around food, which is not something we want to present. Happy, happy Sunday, veggie lovers. Welcome back to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am so happy to have you here. Thank you for joining me again this Sunday for another fantastic episode. Today, we are going to hear from the plant trainers, Adam and Shoshana Chaim. We had a really great conversation that I feel like you're going to benefit from hearing their story, how they became plant-based, some of the struggles they had and how they use those struggles that they experienced during their transition to help other people around the world. Before I talk more about them, I want to encourage you to please sign up for my newsletter. So In addition to subscribing to Veggie Doctor Radio on your favorite platform, rating and reviewing my podcast, which I would so appreciate, if you sign up for my newsletter, you are going to get an email with each episode, but also I am going to be improving my newsletter to be even more valuable for you and have nice goodies. So do get on now, then you are going to have the benefit of having bonus material that other people may not have access to. 
There's two ways to do it. You can text the word fiber, F-I-B-E-R, to 66866. That's through your phone. So you can put the numbers into your text messaging, 66866, and text the word fiber, F-I-B-E-R. The other way is you can do it through my website. You can go to dryami.com. That's D-O-C-T-O-R-Y-A-M-I.com forward slash sign up. I've also written a book. It's called A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy. It's available uh, from all the major online booksellers. If you are a parent or a grandparent and uncle, anybody that helps feed children, a daycare provider, uh, a teacher, then you are going to benefit from reading this book, getting a fresh perspective on how to feed kids, what intuitive eating is, and why it can benefit not only our own bodies, but the bodies of our children, and also decrease stress and anxiety around the dinner table. No more mealtime battles. So if you haven't already picked up a copy, consider picking it up. And if you've already read it, could you please write me an Amazon review? I would appreciate it so much. Now I want to give a shout out to one of my very loyal listeners, Eva Marie. Thank you so much for listening to Veggie Doctor Radio. She left a review entitled Inspiring. She said, I didn't start listening to this podcast until many months after it started. Now I'm trying to catch up. Each episode is so inspiring and helps me stay strong and excited on the path to health healthy living. Thank you so much, Eva. I appreciate you so much. A final reminder. The information on this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not meant to replace careful evaluation and treatment. So if you have concerns about yourself, your own medical issues, or that of your child, please consult a medical professional. So let's talk about the plant trainers. Adam and Shoshana Chaim are the co-hosts of the Popular Plant Trainers podcast, helping you improve your quality of life through nutrition and fitness. They are also both public speakers and authors of the Yummy Foods Activity Book for Kids. After a major wake-up call with Adam's health, resulting in Shoshana's PTSD, their family adopted a plant-based lifestyle and now thrive in all areas of their life. Shoshana works with people one-on-one to alleviate stress in life caused by diet, lifestyle, and physical and mental illness to create healthier lives and support cellular health. Adam is a plant-based athlete and nutrition and fitness coach with over 20 years of experience. He is a two-time Ironman triathlete, completed several marathons and ultra runs and swims, and successfully helps individuals with their nutrition and athletic endeavors, big or small. They live in Toronto, Canada with their two plant-based thriving kids. And you can find them at planttrainers.com altogether. P-L-A-N-T-T-R-A-I-N-E-R-S.com. This was such a great conversation to hear another super inspiring story of plant-based transformation, incredible health changes, but also a realistic story of how a family evolved over time from a standard Canadian diet into a whole food plant-based diet. So I think you're gonna learn a lot from this conversation. You're going to be inspired, hopefully empowered. And it's also going to give you some tips 
for how to be a coachable client. If you ever want to work with a coach, what are some characteristics that are going to increase your likelihood of being successful and reaching your goals? And what are some things that might hold you back that might make it a little bit more difficult for you to attain the goals that you want to reach? Even if you're just doing it by yourself and trying to attain goals and change your habits and behaviors, I think this is really going to help you. So veggie lovers. Thank you so much for being here today. I hope that you really enjoy this episode and that you have a plantastic day and I will see you all next week. Adam and Shoshana, thank you so much for joining me today on Veggie Doctor Radio. It is such a pleasure to have both of you guys on today. We're grateful to be here. Thanks for having us. All right. Well, you guys have a lot of experience. You've been helping a lot of people. I know this is going to be a great episode, but before we get started talking about tips and tricks and practical things, Mm -hmm. let's talk about y'all's plant-based journey. How long have you been plant-based and what triggered the change? The change started with Adam. So why don't you uh, get into it? (laughs) Uh, it's, it was, I was about 36 years old, which is about nine years ago. Um, and very simply, I was sitting on the couch watching a game and I felt this pain run across my chest, the left side down to my arm. And growing up, I'd always been active and thought I was eating healthy and always involved in sports. I was a personal trainer and a phys ed teacher. So very active and someone at the age of 36, having those kinds of symptoms, which are, are known as, as to be symptoms of a heart attack was kind of strange. And so I ended up going into the hospital, the ER, to get it checked because I was a little concerned because it wasn't something normal for me. And so they basically sent me home that day saying that I was fine. And I guess it just was a muscle strain or something from a workout that I did. But a few weeks later, I got called back into the doctor's office because they had found a tumor on my kidney when they did the uh, the ultrasound they they did it of my whole upper body and they saw on my kidney there was a, a very rare type of tumor called a hemangioblastoma and so I went through a series of different tests and and situations and it turned out that I ended up going for a retinal exam as one of the tests that I did because I was told that this type of tumor was associated with a very rare genetic disorder called VHL, von Hippel-Landau. And so the best way to know if I had it right away was to do a retinal exam because you might have heard that the eye is a good window into the body. And when my ophthalmologist did the retinal exam, she said, I didn't, it didn't look like I had the VHL, but it looked like I had the beginning stages of heart disease. Hmm. And at the age of 36, this was very, very strange to me. And so I started to do a bunch of research into finding out what exactly was going on with my body and how this could be happening and what I could do to prevent it. Because one of the things I was told was that I wouldn't be around to see my kids grow up. I'd probably be gone by the age of 40. And at the age of 36, now 37, our second child on the way, it was pretty tough for me to take that. And I, I refused to allow that to take over my life. So I was, always, I was looking for and doing the research on ways to reverse what I had begun 
in the body, if that was even possible, and find a way to become the healthiest version of myself so I could be around as long as possible to watch my kids grow up and be with my family. And so one thing led to another. I read some books. I watched some, some documentaries. documentaries, and I came across a plant-based lifestyle, a plant-based diet. And it, the evidence, the research that I saw really showed that the what you put into your body can really hurt or heal you. And I was willing to take that chance of going down the healing path. And so... I did that. And I remember turning to you and I said, I'm, I'm going plant-based. And she said, what's that? And, <laughs> or, or said, uh, I said, I'm going to be vegan now. And I was and like, I was, is that some kind of vegetarian? Like yeah. I didn't even know what vegan meant. So our, this is, I'm really condensing the story, but the fridge in our, in our kitchen was divided my food, everybody else's food. And I was really disciplined and keeping to it, going whole food, plant-based, eating the best food possible to see what impact it made on my body because I was never someone who really went to doctors. I was not somebody who ever really wanted to put medication into my body. And I didn't really feel like I wanted to start doing that. I thought that if I could heal myself through food based on everything I was reading, that was what I wanted to try to do. And I had continued going for tumor checkups every three months. I had uh, no, no changes were happening. It wasn't growing. So that was a positive thing. But after a year of eating whole food plant-based and I changed my fitness regime a little bit, I moved away from team uh, uh, men's hockey late at night to getting into triathlon. And it was more of an individual sport on my schedule. I was getting better night's sleep. So that was an adjustment that I guess was very positive for me. But after the first year of the tumor checks, basically the doctor said to me what medication are you taking because something strange is really happening your tumor is getting a little bit smaller instead of getting bigger and so i continued to do what i was doing eat the way i ate and train the way i trained and live the lifestyle that i had changed into and when i went back to the ophthalmologist after that year she said, oh, your arteries are much brighter red and much wider, and it looks like the heart disease that you were developing has disappeared. What medication were you on? And again, it was the food. So that's, that's the short of it. I mean, our, or the long of it. Or the long of it. But the, <laughs> the impact that the diet and the fitness and the lifestyle has all come together for me has been amazing because I'm now 45 years old. I call myself five because they only gave me till 40, but uh, I'm 45 and I feel the best I've ever felt. And I've taken my whole family on this journey and it's been pretty awesome. Wow. That is such an amazing story. So what are the things that they told you were potentially going to happen? Because four years, basically at 36, they said you pretty pretty much only have four years left to live. So what is the prognosis? What was the road that you would have gone down if you wouldn't have changed your diet? So the first thing was that when they said, oh, you got this tumor, the doctor already had me signed up for surgery with a surgical oncologist to remove my kidney, period. There was no discussion. There was nothing. It was just, it's all set up for you. We're just going to take it out and you'll be okay. But 
I didn't feel good about removing body parts if I didn't need to. And I know you could live with one kidney, but it just didn't feel right to me. So I went for a few different opinions and ended up getting a biopsy instead of just removing it altogether. And that's what led to knowing about the hemangioblastoma, which led to being told I have VHL. And the prognosis was that if I allowed the VHL to take over my body, what it does is it deposits tumors along your central nervous system, and then it takes over your body. So they told me that that was what was going to happen. I didn't have a lot of time left, and I basically need to live my best last few years. They, they, from our perspective, what they did is they basically said, there's a tumor there. We don't care what kind of tumor it is. We want to take it out as soon as possible because worst case scenario, you know, he won't be at the birth of your child. So we need to take it out and then figure out what it is. At the end of the day, it was a benign tumor that's still in him. So I don't think that the tumor necessarily would have turned or anything like that. Like it, he, that prognosis was, was zero. Right. Mm -hmm. But then because of the impact after the biopsy that he could have VHL or be a carrier of it. So our children can have it. Um, that was something completely different, but the heart disease was really real for us because we had lost a friend a couple of years before a young dad with two children and a wife at home who was a hockey player. He was out playing floor hockey one day and had a heart attack and didn't come home. Mm-hmm. And that was the end of that. So that's really at the end of the day, that is what was, was, that was a where my, factor. Yeah, that was where my focus turned. It was less about the tumor. That's going to, I don't know what that's all about. We'll figure it out through the body. It was more about, you're telling me I have heart disease. It doesn't run in my family unless it's like my grandparents when they were in their 80s. But now at 36, 37, it just didn't make sense. And coming across Dr. Esselstyn's books and Forks Over Knives and other resources like that just opened up my world to that. And that's how I got to where I am now. Yeah. And that's so powerful because there is a large significant a significant amount of people that their first symptom of heart disease is when they have a heart attack. So that you incidentally had this tumor and then you had to get this other test. And then you were told, Hey, we we're able to see the smallest vessels in your body. And they're showing that there might be some, a process going on here in a way it could be seen as a blessing. Like you got this early warning sign that, hey, there's something going on here that you may not feel yet, but whenever you feel it, it may be too late. Yeah, and the impact at which he played was not going to, you know, not gonna help him moving forward. We get a lot of people who will look at us and say, I don't really wanna give up meat. I don't really wanna give up animal products. When I have my first heart attack, then I'll make then I'll make some change in my life. I want to enjoy myself till then, but I don't think people realize that very often your first heart attack is your last one, your last breath, right? Exactly. Um, so it, it's really important for us to share our story so that other people can never get into the place that we were in, mm-hmm. right? I was pregnant with my daughter. It was nine months of trying to figure out what was going on with him and if what the doctor said was really going to happen. It was years of mental health issues following that from me because of what I went through and the stress that I went through. It's, it's been a challenge and I don't wish that on anybody. Mm-hmm. 
So it seems like Adam, you started on your own. You were, you had your own separate food and you're like, I'm going to do this. And we're really disciplined. How long did it take to get the family on board? And how long did it take before you guys found a groove together as a family on a plant-based diet? So for me, it was overnight. I'm, this is what's happening. Not an option done. And then food would be put in front of me because that's what they would be eating. And I would push it away and just eat the side dishes and all those kind of things. It took several months, I think, for, for Shush to, to, to give up the, the rest of the cheese, the, the dairy kind of thing. Yeah, dairy, it, a little took, bit less. it took about from October to let's say May for me to go and give up red meat and then give up poultry and then keep in some eggs and dairy like once a week eggs and dairy so i was a very heavy very heavy vegetarian um more emphasis on the plants than on the animal products and then when i did decide to go completely plant-based i said but if i'm at a party and there's a cheese platter i'm not going to stop myself i'm still going to enjoy life and if when my birthday comes in November, there's no way I'm not having a steak to celebrate my birthday. So we'll obviously have steak on my birthday. Well, by the time November came around, that was a non-issue. And I never did have cheese at a party again. But I think just knowing that I could helped me to say no. But it was also around a year's time where that happened. And you had seen some of those results right. of, oh, there's no more heart disease oh, look at the impact that the food is making on Adam. Now we're going to, I'm going to get more into this because it kind of, it's real. Right. And that's what really made it okay for me to bring the children along because although they had become vegetarian, they were still very occasional fish if they were with out for dinner with our parents and they would have still cheese and they would still have eggs yep. because I was scared that maybe they weren't getting enough protein. Maybe they weren't getting enough calcium. And I started taking nutrition courses. And I started understanding more of they are getting all of these nutrients from other foods and they're not getting all of these toxins and cancer growing hormones and everything else from the foods that I was still giving them. So it took me a long time to say, I'm willing to take the risk and screw myself up. But now I'm willing to take the risk on my kids too, because I don't see it as a risk bringing them into the plant-based world. I see it as a risk not. But that took a bit of time. That didn't happen one no, year later. It, that was like three or four years. Like it, it, it was, it was a about a year and a half. It was about another year and a half after I had become like plant-based. It, it felt like longer. But then they were like, we don't want eggs anymore. We don't like eggs. And I was like, well, if you're not going to eat eggs, there's no point in eating cheese anymore. And they're like, what? No cheese. I'm like, well, let's go to the store and try this other cheese. We weren't Daya eaters or I mean, that was the only cheese that was really around at that time. Um, we weren't really, you know, processed cheese eaters at the time, but br having that for the kids was a good, was transition a good transition. Um, so, you know, I kind of said, well, if they're not going to eat eggs, what's the point of dairy? Because I, I think I knew that I didn't want them having it anymore. I was just scared of the reaction and if they were going to abstain from eating altogether. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that. I love how you guys have like three different levels in your house of how long it took, right? So Adam, you're like, overnight, I'm doing this. My health depends on it. I want to see if it's going to make a difference. Shoshana kind of took you a little bit longer, had to get your feet wet and, you know, but then it took you even longer to feel confident that you could raise your kids this way. And I feel like 
that's a common thing. And, and now you as a coach, you probably encounter that a lot. A lot of families, maybe the adults, they feel like, oh, okay, well, I can eat this way, but I'm not sure if it's healthy for my children. So I think having that experience for you probably gives you a lot of empathy for families that seek out your services, feeling really scared and anxious and confused about what their kids can and can't eat. So let's take a step back before we go into some of those tips and talk about what prompted you guys to become coaches. How did you change what you're doing in the world um, from this experience? So coaching, I think, was all, all, already very natural for us. We were both personal trainers already. We were both school teachers, which means that we love to educate people. We had had um, a business before where we taught people CPR. So, you know, it, it, was, it was very natural to us. And I think that there was a big gap in, in, in the, the whole world where there were a few plant-based products podcasts, but they weren't focused on food necessarily. And there were tons of health coaches out there, but they were all talking about, you know, the latest fads, the latest fads. And, and we knew, we knew the science and we wanted to help as, like I said before, we just wanted to help as many people as possible, never be in the situation that we were in. And if they were already in that situation, we wanted to give them the tools to get out of it because, or, or have the highest chance of getting out of it because we knew too well, the physical and mental drain that that takes on people. And we just want more. We, we're just, we want more for other people. Mm-hmm. Great. And then Adam, how about you with your, your sports and athletics and the stuff that you do? Yeah. So like I said, I was involved in team sports very heavily and I was coaching them as well. But then I, I read Brendan Brazier's books on nutrition, his thrive fitness, and he was an Ironman champion triathlete. And I was like, well, if he could do it, so can I. Maybe, maybe not be a champion right now, but I could get into triathlon and try it and see what happens. And I didn't know how to swim at the time, but I went through a whole process of teaching myself how to swim and getting into running at a deeper level and then cycling. And I ended up doing two Ironman triathlons and then got into endurance sports. And so that's all evolved. And my level of fitness and my performance has continually gotten better as I get older and it has a lot to do with what I'm putting into my body. It's fueling me in a very positive way, but it's also healing me as I break down my muscle tissue and it's helped me recover faster and be able to perform a little bit better. So I've moved into helping people learn how to take steps in that direction and get more active in their lifestyle, whatever level they're at. And it's just been a lot of fun combining the fitness with the plant-based nutrition as I coach clients. He's also become a lot less whiny. So he used, <laughs> to come, <laughs> he used to come home from hockey and be like, oh, my shoulders, oh, my hip, run me a bath, put in more salts, I need a massage. Um, and, you know, now baths are some, are, are just for relaxation and, you know, massages are for fun because he, the inflammation is so much less, there's less lactic acid buildup, there's less as much as there is impact still on the body, it's different impact than hockey. But, you know, even at the beginning, you know, like hitting the pavement, that's hard. It's hard on the legs. It's hard on the feet. But 
he's recovering so much faster. So there's less uh, complaining about his body. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Hey humans, I know you wanna eat healthier but feel strapped for time. And even the thought of meal planning and cooking stresses you out. Well, have you considered trying a meal kit service? Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that make it easy to stick to a healthy living routine. Find recipes for every lifestyle, including plant-based diets. Green Chef delivers quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients, including low added sugar and sodium smart options. You get to choose from 80 plus flavor packed options that allow you to take back time in your kitchen with dinner ready in 30 minutes and lunch in 10. Try 15 plus new recipes every week. But here's the best part. Green Chef delivers everything you need to make convenient, wholesome, and delicious meals directly to your doorstep. Each meal kit includes pre-measured ingredients, as well as some produce that comes already pre-chopped and custom sauces that are pre-made in-house. They also provide the recipe cards and the meals are really simple to make. It's a delicious, fresh, home-cooked meal without the hassle. What I love the most about Green Chef is that it takes the stress out of cooking. The recipes are easy to follow and everything you need is included. So even the less experienced cooks in your house can make a delicious home cooked meal. It's perfect for those seasons in your life that you're really busy with your kids' sports and school events. Hello, spring. And time is limited, especially if you want fresh, home cooked, healthy meals to put on the table. So if you're feeling frustrated by the lack of time to eat healthy and you are ready to try Green Chef and see how easily you can integrate it into your healthy lifestyle, go to greenchef.com forward slash I am human five zero and use code I am human five zero to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com forward slash I am human five zero and use the code I am human five zero to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Equilibria is a woman-owned wellness brand with products intended to bring your mind and body back in harmony. They consider themselves a by women and for women company, and they now offer a nutrient-dense green powder called Daily Nutrigreens. Myself and my staff here at Nourish Wellness all tried the Daily Nutrigreens, and we loved it. The Daily Nutrigreens contain an immune antioxidant and detox blend, along with prebiotics, probiotics, and over 35 fruits and veggies. It also contains other important nutrients, such as B12, iron, iron, zinc, and selenium. The daily greens are certified organic and all you have to do is mix it with water, but you can also easily add to your smoothies, your oatmeal, or your baked goods. The daily Nutri-Greens are vegan, gluten-free, and non-GMO. And another bonus is that the packaging is compostable. Yay! When I tried the apple banana daily Nutri-Greens, I was surprised by the pleasant and mild flavor. It was easy to prepare and drink and didn't leave any aftertaste. And I felt great afterwards. It's really easy to create a daily ritual around your green drink, integrated into your daily self-care routine. A green powder is one way to fill the gap in daily nutrition and is an easy and convenient way to get in your greens. These powders are a great way to add more nutrients into your diet during busy times, travel, and transitions in life when you don't have time or access to fresh green veggies. 
If you're interested in trying Equilibria's daily Nutrigreens, head to myeq.com and use code Dr. Yami, that's D-R-Y-A-M-I, for 15% off Equilibria's daily Nutrigreens and much more. That's myeq.com and use code Dr. Yami, D-R-Y-A-M-I, at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. Now, Adam, you said you didn't know how to swim. Like you didn't know how to swim at all, or you just didn't know how to swim like athletically. I knew how to scuba dive, which is like kind of float in the water, but I didn't really know how to swim for competition. Like I Uh could do the doggy paddle. I could float. Uh I I can manage, I could tread water, but I was never, I didn't know how to do the front crawl, the breaststroke, anything for distance or speed or like nothing. Like the yeah. first time I got in the pool, I, I figured I'd be able to swim a 25 meter lap, no big deal. So I put on my swim cap and my goggles and I went, but halfway through that one lap, I already stopped because I was out of breath. And I thought, you know, the cardiovascular system would work the same way as running, but it's very different when you have water all over you and you're not breathing properly. So it took me a while to even though I registered for a triathlon a month after I went in the pool for the first time, uh, <laughs> you know, it was a struggle. And yeah. it was a process of getting myself to be able to swim consistently for a long distance. And at that time, 750 meters was a long distance, which is a sprint triathlon. But yeah. You work at it and, and you get better. Wow. That's incredible. No, I, 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 have on my vision board. I'd like to do a half Ironman at some point, but that's the part that intimidates me the most is a swimming. I think swimming is really hard. Like I'm the same way. I like swim a little bit. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I can't breathe. I'm so out of breath. So I would definitely have to get trained up in that. All right. Let's talk about feeding kids and what experiences you guys have had personally that have allowed you to help others. So what have you learned on your journey and your transition to a plant-based diet that has given you some resources and experience to help other families that are also transitioning? I think we've kind of gone through it all. And I think that anybody who has some kind of understanding and education in how to feed children straight out of the womb, as soon as they, you know, as soon as they stop nursing or taking a bottle, then they've got so much more of an advantage than everybody else, because we made a lot of mistakes, even before we became plant-based, we made a lot of mistakes to, I I don't want to blame the parents in terms of we create picky eaters, but if you think about it, we're not taught how to let children lead themselves. We're not taught how to follow our children's intuition. And therefore, we think that we are trying to do something to create good habits in our children. And in reality, a lot of times we end up doing the opposite. So it's not necessarily our fault. It's, I think it's more society's fault for not giving us more of those tools. But when you start to feed your kids processed foods, when you think it's cute to take them to McDonald's for the first time and try the fries, 
when you go the easy route too often and they start to get it on their palate, it's really hard to change their palate back to appreciating healthy foods. So, you know, we, we have to do that with our kids. We have to teach them that you can eat broccoli steamed with no butter on it, with no salt on it, and it will taste good. We had to teach them to eat tofu. They wouldn't eat tofu. I mean, not everybody has to eat tofu, but that was something that we wanted our kids to eat. And I steamed it and they rejected it. And I fried it and they rejected it. And I marinated it and they rejected it. And we must've gone through how many times did I make tofu? Like a hundred different ways. I think one of the things that parents often do is that they give up too soon. And so we offer these these fruits, these vegetables, these new foods to our kids who their taste buds are changing constantly. What they like one day might not be what they like the next day. And parents will offer them, like you said, the tofu or the broccoli, and they won't eat it. So they'll never put it back on the table. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, of course your kid won't eat broccoli or tofu because you're not being consistent in what you're offering. And you have to be very conscious and open-minded when you're feeding your kids in a way that give them the options, put it out on the table. If they don't eat it, don't yell at them. Don't get upset. Don't get frustrated. Just keep offering it day after day. And eventually just they'll taste a little bit. And then that little bit will turn into a little bit more. And for some food, it might not, but for others it will. But if you don't offer it or you give up after the third, fourth or fifth time, you're going to have a very difficult time getting your kids to eat those foods that you want them to eat. And if your reaction is strong and they get a rise out of you, then you could expect that they're going to try to do that every time too. So you've mm -hmm. got to detach. You can have those emotions inside, like, but like push them down. You've got to detach all your emotions, all the hard work you put into the food, your, your need to take care of your children and want the best for them and know that they need this food to be able to thrive and get into university and whatever it is, but you've got to detach your emotions and not let them see it. We went through phases of, of dressing up the food, like making it look fun and playful and cutting it into shapes. And that's all great and fun for the little kids, but it's really about the consistency of the offering and just making it always available. Our son, his favorite food right now is broccoli. And it has been for a while. I mean, he dresses up for Halloween as a broccoli because he loves it. He has a broccoli haircut. It's not, it's not a... It's not a, I don't even know how to call them. It's not a mushroom cut. It's a, it's broccoli, a broccoli cut. cut. <laughs> I've never even heard of this, but I love it. I have never heard of it. I want to see pictures of this broccoli cut because that's amazing. <laughs> okay. So yeah, you guys are saying basically that consistency and persistence are so important. And I see this from the beginning when parents start to feed little babies. And what do little babies do? They make these really strong faces and contort their faces and do all this stuff. And as soon as they do that, the parent, oh, they don't like that. And so then it's over. It's over for whatever food. They're never going to get that. Or maybe it's going to be a long time before they get exposed to that. But it's normal for babies to do that. That's the first time they've ever tasted that. And so this new flavor is causing this reaction. It doesn't mean that they're going to hate the food. So we just have to keep offering. So if you were starting from the beginning, say that you know what you know now, you haven't had kids yet, and now you're going to have your first kid, what would you do different now? Like, give me like three specific things that you feel like you would do different now than how you did it before. 
Oh, well, first I would have waited a little bit longer to start solid foods because once you start feeding them, you're stuck. You got to feed them forever. So I would have given myself a little bit more of a break. Um, but I, I would have absolutely watched my child's cues for what it is that they are craving. And I would have not given him his first ice cream as soon as I did. I would not have given into those junk foods and those cute foods because, you know, it's cute to see kids walking around with little goldfish and a little Ziploc baggie and all those things. I would have stayed as whole food as possible for as long as possible. I wouldn't have oiled things up and salted things up. And once he, and I would have continued feeding or offering foods over and over again, no matter what his facial reactions were. And once he liked a food, I would make sure, and I would write a schedule out and like actually put it on the, on the cupboards and Adam knows, cause I do that for everything. And I would have made sure that I kept it in the rotation mm -hmm. so that it didn't go three weeks without him eating avocado. And then all of a sudden he didn't like avocado again and needed to start again. So those are the things that I would have done at the beginning. I was hiding the greens so that he would eat his chicken first because he didn't like the chicken. He didn't favor the chicken as much as he favored everything else on his plate, which was essentially whole food plant-based. So I was giving him the chicken first to fill him up on chicken and then giving him everything else so that he would get more protein. protein. Um, <laughs> I, I would have followed, I would have followed his, his intuition. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Anything else that you would add, Adam? I would just say that I would probably be a lot more relaxed and calm about it. I think that as a parent, especially a young or new parent, I was very like, oh, but you got to do this. You got to do it this way. And I would get frustrated because they wouldn't eat this. And I've learned over time that you just got to be patient with it. Keep offering it, like I mentioned before. But the emotional side of it, I got to hold back, not show my reaction to them about them not liking the food or going absolutely crazy when they do like the food, kind of <laughs> keeping it balanced mm -hmm. because it was, it was very frustrating going through all that. And when you exhibit that energy, they feel it. Mm -hmm. And then it gives them a little bit of anxiety around food, which is not something we want to present. I think you make a good point. People get all excited when the kids do like something mm -hmm. and then they learn, oh, look at the reaction I got. And then they eat something else and we don't give that reaction and they think there must be something wrong. So they tend to go back to those foods that we're so excited about and you need to keep it as neutral as possible. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that so much. And I feel like feeding kids is definitely an area of anxiety and stress for so many parents and families. It becomes a battleground on the kitchen table. And so, you know, that tip of like, you know, relax a little bit. I think that that's a very important tip because overall, you have food to give your kids, kids are going to be okay. And you can tweak and you can make changes over time to improve maybe the health promoting potential of the foods that you have in the house, but you have to start somewhere. And I think decreasing the stress and anxiety is a great place to start. And the other thing I would add is that as a parent, we need to lead by example. And mm -hmm. if you're going to offer your kids certain foods that you won't eat yourself, you can never expect them to eat those foods as well. So you got to be eating what you're feeding 
Otherwise, it's never going to happen. I don't know how my mom did it. I didn't realize she didn't like cauliflower until about 10 years ago when my son was born. But I ate cauliflower growing up. But somehow I thought that she ate it too. But she also used to wait for my dad to come home to eat. So maybe I didn't <laughs> really recognize. The other thing that I want to say is like, dudes, it's not your fault. So you're going to have successes. You're going to have challenges. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. And just like everything else, you know, you, you go out there for a run. Some runs are good. Some runs are bad. You are a musician. Some, sometimes it's going to sound good. Sometimes it's not. We, we all have ups and downs and being a parent is not a perfect science. So when you have a mistake or something didn't go the way that you thought it was, just see what you could learn from it and move on. Don't spend so much time blaming yourself. There's so many other people who aren't on your side. You need to be on your own side. Exactly. That's such a good tip because I feel like actually we waste a lot of energy when we stay in that shame and blame cycle, when we could just learn from the experience, see what we could tweak for the next time, move on and just be gentle with ourselves and roll with it. It's just life, you know, just like you're saying, some days are going to be good. Some days are going to be not so good. So since both of you are coaches, I want to ask a couple of questions about what makes for a good experience and what makes for maybe a not as successful experience. So what are some characteristics or traits that you guys have seen in people that you know kind of point to that they're probably going to be successful in reaching their goals? I think that the the clients or the people that I encounter that are successful are the ones that are open to making change and have decided that they're going to make change because those that come to me that, you know, they have this idea of eating better, but they don't really want to do it. Somebody's kind of pushing them to do it. It's never going to happen. So being open-minded, being malleable, being able, flexible, and willing, it's all about the choice, right? You're making a choice to make these changes. If you're not choosing to make the changes, we're just going to tug a war back and forth and it's not worth anybody's time. So really being open and wanting to make change will really allow that person to get to where they want to go. Shoshana, anything you want to add? I just think that when I'm talking to somebody and I make a small suggestion and I'll test this way and I'll make a small suggestion and they say, oh, I can't do that because, or, oh, my mother-in-law would never allow that. And as soon as I'm getting all of those objections right up front, I know that it's somebody who <clears throat> maybe wants to, but is but but won't be willing to figure out how to do it. When you say to somebody a small little suggestion, they go, oh, that's interesting. Or, oh, I'd have to figure out how to make that work for our family. Then you know that they are malleable, that they are able to think beyond the the start line and that they can get creative in the process and that they're more committed. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you guys say is people that are open-minded, they're welcoming change into their lives. They're not necessarily too afraid of it. I mean, change can be scary for a lot of people. So they may have a little bit, but they're, but they're welcoming of it. Let's, let's try this. Let's see this. They're malleable. They're willing and they're curious is what I'm hearing you say, Shoshana, is that there's, you know, their brain is like, Oh, I haven't heard of that before. But I wonder if I could implement that. I wonder what it would look like in my life instead of immediately putting up a barrier and being like, nope, it's not going to work. These are the reasons, excuse after another. So that leads me into the next one. It sounds like you guys already gave me a few of those. But what are some traits or characteristics 
that are indicative that someone's going to have difficulty or struggle in their goal attainment? Yeah, I think resistance, resistance out of the gate. It, it's one thing to say that you want to do something, but if your actions don't show that you're willing to make sacrifices or get creative or change or deal with the tantrum that might come with, you know, no more cream cheese in the house or, or what have you, if, if you're so resistant up front, then yeah, you, you need to say, I mean, it's the same. You need to be open-minded. I think that really, I mean, we've heard this a million times, but I think really understanding why you want these changes is super important and really finding a way to get that reason to be paramount. It's so important because I need to make this change because I want to be someone who lives a long, healthy life and prevent illness from coming in. Uh, why is I want to be around for my family as long as possible? Like, what is the reason that you want these changes? Because if you could figure that out, then you're much more likely to follow through with the changes that you're about to face that are going to impact your life in a positive way. We're looking to make change. Mm -hmm. And I think another thing I see too is when people expect the coach that they're working with to do it for them. And I think that's one thing that's important for people to understand is whenever you're working with a coach, they're there to help you attain the goal, not do the goal for you. So you have to come with some readiness for change and some willingness and some confidence, even if it's just a little, we can help work, bring that up. But um, really you have to be ready to make these changes in your own life and problem solve and troubleshoot, connect with your vision, connect with your whys, and then we help you get there. So it's really great. So what do you guys wish more people knew? I wish more people knew that they could do it because everybody's always saying, I can never give up cheese. I could never give up steak. My kids will never eat that way. So I wish they knew that they could attain these goals, that their children can attain these goals, but that they just need to be willing to put in the work to get there and that they knew how detrimental the outcome would be possibly if they didn't actually do it and they recognize it. I think that more people need to really understand the impact that food has on our body and our mind and the way we perform in everything we do in life, not just athletically. We're very marketed to by big companies and food organizations. And it's very challenging for people to know the truth because certain foods are very inexpensive and very attainable for most. But what is the impact that that food has on our body? And that's what more people really need to know about before it's too late. And how do we get better food? What are the better foods to eat? The power of food is so, it's crazy, it's mind blowing how one food could really destroy your body and mind while another food could totally pump you up and put you in a positive place. So if there's one thing people that I would want them to do is really understand the power that food has on the individual's body and mind. Mm -hmm. 
the risks and benefits, right? What are the risks and benefits associated with all the foods that we eat? The standard American, standard Canadian diet versus a whole food plant-based diet. Not only is a whole food plant-based diet maybe more powerful than people know and understand, but the standard American and Canadian diet is probably more harmful than people even realize. So opening up your mind and learning about this can really completely transform your life and save your life. So that's great. So how can listeners connect with you guys and what services do you provide? So everybody's welcome to join the conversation on Instagram at plant trainers. We're very active there on Facebook and Twitter as well, but Instagram's a lot of fun for us and our podcasts can be found as well as recipes and other, um, other blogs and things like that at planttrainers.com. So they could find the plant trainers podcast there easily or on any device that they can download them as well. What do we offer? So online, we have some courses. So we have a picky eater course. We have a plant-based program. We have a lot of different online courses to help people who are ready to make those changes and ready to open their minds and, and make some changes. And then I work with people who so, so I put a lot of my kids stuff online and now I'm working with people who have some serious health issues who are looking to work through them with an open mind and encompass a whole body experience in terms of dealing with it, not just medication, not just food. Um, I kind of help them holistically. And do you guys work with people all over the world or just in Canada who can Use your services. No, anyone could find us through our website, planttrainers.com. We do individual coaching, group coaching, fitness, nutrition. I mean, we we cover all lifestyle aspects because that's really what changed my life. I found the whole food plant-based diet and I want to help people learn about it and transform their lives in a way that is going to prevent them from going down the path that I was told I was going down and find a new path to longevity and good health and happiness and positivity. And that's why I coach fitness, whether it's triathlon or just running races or whatever races they're interested in. And then the nutrition side of it's really big. So we're, we're, you could find us online and we coach people all over the world. Awesome. I love it. For each of you, I'd like you to answer this. What personal habit are you most proud of? How did you develop it and how do you maintain it? I think that I'm very proud of my sense of discipline. And I think that that's really helped me get to where I needed to be. And it's going to continue to get me going in the right direction. Where I got it from, I'm not 100% sure. I know that discipline was something that was instilled in me at a very young age. My parents separated when I was 10. And I had the responsibility of raising my brother, helping my mother. And it was a very challenging time. It, taught me a lot of responsibility. And because of that, I had to be very disciplined to be able to do what I needed to do. And that I just carried into everything that I, I do in my life. And so finding motivation externally is not something I need because it's in here inside um, because I've been able to stay disciplined. I've been able to stay motivated and I've been able to achieve what I've achieved so far and I know there's so much more coming for me. So that discipline is going to keep carrying me through. Awesome. I love it. Tishana. I'm 
I'm a bit of the opposite personality. <laughs> I'm more whimsical and artistic and not so disciplined and not so organized naturally. So I, I think I'm really proud of the methods that I've created to be able to achieve what I have achieved. So, you know, a lot of like, like, for example, our meal planning mastery course that we have online, the reason why I created that was because I needed a system to make sure that I was shopping properly, that I wasn't forgetting things, that I knew what was for dinner, that I wasn't scrambling, that I wasn't overstressing myself because I was already in an overstressed situation um, with, with the mental health issues. So I needed to create that for me. So I'm proud of the way that I create things to be able to have me achieve my goals. And I'm proud to be able to pass that on to other people who are a lot like me and who need that extra help because it's not so innate. And I'm just so proud to be able to share it with them. Oh, I love it. And yeah, we all have different personality types and we all process and move through the world in different ways. So I love how both of you guys are, off, are able to offer different perspectives. So that's wonderful. Well, finally, if you can leave my listeners with a call to action for the week, what is one thing that they can do this week to improve their lives? Do we each get one thing or do we need to, to be on <laughs> It's the up same? to you, whatever you want. <laughs> All right. So I would say, write down your goal, write down your goal, know your why for it, and then come up with three steps that you need to do almost every single day to get you to that place and put it somewhere where you can see it. So it's simple, write down the goal, kind of take three steps and look at it every day so that it's not wasted. I would say to in, in line with what I've been saying this whole time about the power of food, I would challenge listeners to find a new fruit or vegetable that you haven't had recently or ever and eat it this week. Just try something new, try it with the family, make it a fun little challenge, but try something, a fruit or vegetable that you haven't tried before to just open up your world to new opportunities and new foods that are out there that are super powerful in the healing process. All right, I love it. So first of all, whatever your goal is, write it down, connect with your why, and write down three steps of how you can get to that goal, how you can get to that end result that you want. And also, explore a new fruit or vegetable that you've never had before. Open up your world. Try something new. It's not that scary. So, all right, guys, this has been so great. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate hearing your story and your perspective and all that you have to share with the world. So thank you so much for everything that you do. Thank you. Thanks We're so, so grateful to be here and share with you and your listeners. And it's, it's wonderful connecting with you again. All right. Well, it's great to see you guys. And I hope that you have a plantastic day. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for tuning in. And I look forward to having you back again next week. A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at Rocket Surgeons Music. Please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Also, all of my social media links can be found in the podcast description. Send me a message and let me know what you think of today's podcast. Sharing is caring. 
Please share, rate, and review my podcast and drop me a line if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again and have a plantastic day. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.